Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Tuesday, December 12th. Coming up, earlier this year, federal lawmakers got behind a bill aimed at making freight railroads safer for the communities they pass through. That push was sparked by a fiery derailment in a small Midwestern town. It felt like a post-apocalyptic. It felt like I was, the only way I could think about it is like running away from a tornado. It, It reminded me of the photos I've seen of the atomic bomb. It just looked like a bomb had went off. Despite its bipartisan support, the Railway Safety Act of 2023 has turned out to be something of a dud. We'll find out why. Plus, was a Kansas college football team the first to use a forward pass? We'll look at the history of a move that's now essential to the sport. But first, some headlines. The Kansas City Council will debate legislation today that would ban landlords from rejecting tenants who use housing vouchers. KCUR's Salisa Kalakal has more. The legislation says landlords cannot reject a prospective tenant solely based on how they pay rent, whether it's through a voucher, tipped wages, or other forms of income. Local landlords say the law will force them to accept any tenant. Casey Tenants leader Brandon Henderson says that's not true. What we're saying is when somebody meets your qualifications, you cannot then use their source of income as a reason to reject them, right? All we're asking for is a level playing field. Several council members and Mayor Quinton Lucas support the legislation. Four Overland Park police officers accused of misusing charity funds all resigned as of Friday. Kyle Palmer reports. The officers had all been on paid leave for a year and a half when the city announced their resignations. The four officers were board members of the Overland Park Police Officers Foundation, the charitable arm of the local fraternal order of police. A recent audit concluded the officers spent thousands of dollars in charity funds for personal expenses, like resort gift cards and veterinary bills, while also keeping poor tax records. But the Johnson County District Attorney declined to bring charges, a decision that angered the charity's current leadership. Overland Park says the officers remain under investigation for potential violations of city policy. Kansas residents get to vote online on a new license plate design. Beck Shackelford-Wanganga of the Kansas News Service has more. Last month, Governor Laura Kelly unveiled a yellow and black license plate design, but many Kansans hated it. Some said it looked too much like a New York plate or compared the color scheme to the University of Missouri's colors. So the governor announced a do-over. Kansans can now choose from five different designs and cast their vote for their favorite. Residents have until Friday, December 15th at 5 p.m. to make their selection. A release from Kelly's office says the new designs adhere to safety guidelines and are clear and easy to read. We'll be back after this. A fiery train crash earlier this year sparked a bipartisan drive to make freight trains safer, particularly for the communities they roll through. That's a major issue in Kansas City, the country's second busiest rail hub. But the reform effort lost steam over the course of the year. And KCUR's Frank Morris reports the Railway Safety Act of 2023 may have run off the tracks. Remember back in February when TV news was dominated by a huge flaming train wreck? in a tiny town. 
breaking news tonight. An emergency situation unfolding right now in East Palestine, Ohio, after a train derailed a Friday night. It felt like a post-apocalyptic. It felt like I was, the only way I could think about it is like running away from a tornado. Hillary Flint, who lives four miles from the crash site, was driving away from the towering cloud of boiling black smoke. It, it reminded me of the photos I've seen of the atomic bomb. It just looked like a bomb had went off. An overheated wheel bearing failed, tipping 38 rail cars off the tracks, including 11 carrying toxic chemicals. Nobody was hurt at first, but the chemical fallout from the fire lingered, and people like Flint say they suffered sore throats, rashes, and headaches for months. I think it what happened here really woke people up. And it drew lots of attention, including a visit from former President Donald Trump. To the people of East Palestine and to the nearby communities in Ohio and Pennsylvania, uh, we have told you loud and clear you are not forgotten. The wreck sparked bipartisan legislation. The Railway Safety Act of 2023 would force railroads to deploy more sensors to detect failing wheel bearings, to alert local officials to hazardous trains, and set the size of train crews. It was co-sponsored by conservative Republicans and Democrats like Ohio Senator Sherrod Brown. This is an attempt, this railroad bill, railway safety bill, is an attempt to blunt some of that overreach and some of that greed that corporate executives at the railroads have foisted upon the American public. In recent years, railroads have cut about a third of their employees, stretched the length of trains, and banked record profits. Brown says staffing is thin, safety has suffered, and that the Railway Safety Act aims to turn that around. They want, the railroads want only one engineer. Our law says there have to be at least two people working on these trains at all times. That mandatory two-person crew size is a major sticking point. Ian Jeffries, president of the American Association of Railroads, says train crews have already dropped from five down to two as technology keeps advancing. At the same time, we've seen dramatic safety improvements across as every aspect of the industry. Jeffrey says derailments are down about 30 percent in the last two decades. Hazardous chemical spills are off more than 70 percent, he says. Uh, last year was one of the best years in the entire history of this industry, if not the best. Railroads hate wrecks. After all, accidents kill valuable employees. They destroy gear, scramble schedules, and spark lawsuits. They cost lots of money. And since East Palestine, Jeffrey says railroads have reached out to millions of local first responders letting them know when trains are toting hazardous stuff, what it is, and what to do if it leaks out. So one major goal of the Railway Safety Act is already taking hold. But the act itself has been stuck in the Senate for months. And for all intents and purposes, it's dead. Bill Vontawana, editor-in-chief at Railway Age, says the Railway Safety Act would lock in outdated safety technology. He says it's good politics, but bad legislation coming before the government's East Palestine crash investigation is even completed. You know, it, it's, it wasn't needed in the first place. It was a, a huge waste of time. Nothing but a political stunt. And um, it's, if, if it is, in fact, dead, which I think it is, you know, good riddance. Well, not so fast. Senator Brown admits the legislation faces a Republican filibuster and that Congress faces lots of other problems right now. But Brown says he still hopes to get a full Senate vote on the Railway Safety Act of 2023 by the end of the year. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Frank Morris. 
The forward pass became part of college football in 1906. It was an attempt to spread teams out and make the notoriously rough game safer. Wichita State University claims to have thrown the first forward pass in college football history, but Tom Schein explains it's a bit more complicated than that. The Rannigan Student Center at Wichita State University contains a series of murals highlighting a number of firsts in school history. First African-American football coach in Division 1A, first school to offer a comprehensive integrated program in communication, first college to throw a forward pass in football. Uh, well, maybe, but maybe not. A lot of places like to claim to be the birthplace of the forward pass, just the way that everybody likes to claim that George Washington slept here. That's Dr. Dennis Crawford, a historian at the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta. He says at least two other schools, St. Louis University and the University of North Carolina, also claim the first forward pass. Passing became part of the college game in 1906. And to understand how that happened, you have to understand what college football was like back then. Mike Kennedy is the longtime voice of Shocker Athletics and is unofficial historian. He says football in that era was brutal. First of all, very little padding, if any, and then the uh, the flying wedge where the lineman locked arms and just led the way, and he had to try to plow through that, and, and that's why, uh, you know, the discussion of the forward pass came up. Teddy Roosevelt, the president, who was a man's man, thought this is getting too brutally rough and there needs to be something happening to, to kind of reduce the roughness and brutality a little bit. Roosevelt truly loved college football. Here's his advice on how to play the game. Don't flinch, don't fall, and hit the line hard. But Roosevelt knew that many college presidents wanted to abolish the game after 18 players died in 1905. So he convinced the leading coaches to open up the game with the forward pass. The new rules were put in place ahead of the 1906 season. But Wichita State, then known as Fairmont College, played a game using the proposed rules on Christmas Day in 1905. Fairmont's Bill Davis completed a pass to Art Salter that day against Washburn University in what the New York Times described as a test game. In the first game of the 1906 season, St. Louis University's Bradbury Robinson threw a pass to Jack Schneider. So, who was first? Caitlin Stam is the archivist for St. Louis University. We have a number of notable firsts at the university that we're very proud of, and this is just one of them. So, it's certainly the first legal forward pass. You know, I think that's pretty well documented. Dennis Crawford tends to agree, but... I, I know people always hate this, but neither fan base is wrong. Yeah, <laughs> it just depends on how closely you hold that word official. Official or not, Shocker broadcaster Mike Kennedy says the Fairmount team still deserves some credit. Yeah, a little pride that Wichita State had the forethinking to give it a try and, and actually see what it looked like. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez, Gabe Rosenberg, and Madeline Fox. To read Frank's story on railway safety and Tom's story on the forward pass, visit kcur.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. If you like our show, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. It really helps us reach new listeners. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.